أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله here for another episode inshallah of sacred text messages looking at text messages from our Lord and from our beloved Prophet sallallahu alaihi wa alihi wasallam and some of the words of the righteous from our community of great scholars and spiritual masters. So today I wanted to look at a verse which has come to us in Surah Al-Furqan. And in the Arabic language, Al-Furqan is the criterion. So the it's one of the names of the, the, the intellect is the mechanism of Furqan. So Yufarriqu, in other words, it distinguishes between Haq and Batil, between truth and falsehood. This is why Umar ibn al-Khattab was called Al-Faruq because he was the one that distinguished between truth and falsehood. In fact, the Prophet ﷺ said, every ummah has muhaddathin, like the people that, uh, th- that um, they hear things. And he said, uh, and from my ummah, if there were among my ummah those, it would, Omar ibn al-Khattab would be one of them, people that hear things. In the commentaries, they say, in other words, the angels speak using their tongues. So it's, it's like an inspiration. And the Prophet said, uh, when Hassan ibn Thabit, who was the, one of the poets of the Prophet, said, he was a beautiful uh, artist, creative person. And the Prophet said, he used to tell him to recite poems because the mushrikeen would write poems, the polytheists in Mecca would, would write poems, uh, basically lampooning the Muslims. And so, Hassan, he said, why don't you answer them with poetry? So these, these were like, now they have these, in, in rap, they have these, um, these rap battles. So this was something that the Arabs did. So Hassan ibn Thabit, he would get up and the Prophet would say, you know, Allahumma ayyidhu bi ruh al-Qudus. Oh Allah, strengthen him with the Holy Spirit. So it's, it's in other words, inspiration. And uh, great artists and great poets very often have a kind of inspiration, which is why they're, they're associated with the prophets. In that way, they call the prophets poets uh, because there's a relationship between revelation and inspiration, but they're different. So uh, it's very interesting uh, in Surah Al-Furqan that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually has, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has our Prophet saying, uh, he, he's basically relating a dua made to his Lord in, in the Quran. And, and, the, and the ayah says, وَقَالَ الرَّسُولُ يَا رَبِّ إِنَّ قَوْمِ يَتَّخَذُوا هَذَا الْقُرْآنَ مَهْيُورًا Oh my Lord. And, and, and the messenger said, Oh my Lord, surely my people, إِنَّ قَوْمِ اتَّخَذُوا هَذَا الْقُرْآنَ مَهْيُورًا They have taken this Quran as a, a, a neglected, uh, thing as some an abandoned thing in other words they have abandoned this book and a few things are one in the qawmi qawm in the arabic language uh, is is distinguished uh, by the fact that it has to be from the uh, the father so it's the the patrilineal line so when you say qawmi it means your your patrilineal line it doesn't mean the matrilineal line and that's why in the Quran, in Surah Al-Hajarat, in the 49th Surah, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says, لا يسخر قوم من قوم. 
let not one people mock another people. But then after that says, and let not the women mock other, other uh, women. So it distinguishes between the qawm, which are the males, and the women in that surah al-Hujarat. And one of the intriguing uh, aspects of this word also in the Quran is that all of the prophets, when they speak to their people, they say, Ya qawmi. Um, oh, my people, because they, they, they were uh, from them patrilineally, and they, they were from the patrilineal line. But when Jesus speaks, he says, Ya Bani Israel, because his mother was Maryam, but he didn't have a father from those people. So he's the only prophet that when he addresses his, his uh, Bani Israel, he doesn't say, Ya Qawmi, uh, because he does, they're not his Qawm. And there, there's a hadith in Sahih Muslim where the Prophet was asked if there was any strangers amongst them, and they said, uh, Fulan, uh, so-and-so, uh, is from the Akhwal, he's from the matrilineal side. And he said, Ibn al-Ukht al-Qawm minhum, that the son of, of the mother of a people uh, is, is one of them. In other words, he was saying this, they're not strange, even though they're not from the Qawm, but he's saying they're, they're the same as them, they're not strangers amongst them. So uh, when he says my people, he, he's, he's referring to his, the people that he's related to by, by lineage. And he means the Quraysh in Mecca and generally the Arabs also. Uh, because the Prophet وسلم, is uh, extraordinarily unique in that he's related somehow to all of the Arabs. There's only a handful of tribes that, uh, that he did not have some relationship with. And then he also through marriage. He was related to many of the tribes. So he says, this is a complaint, really. He's saying, Ya Rabbi, inna qawmi Qur'ana mahjura. But then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَكَذَارِكَ جَعَنَّا لِكُلِّ نَبِيٍّ عَدُوًّا مِّنَ الْمُجِرِمِينَ And like that, we give every prophet, we ordain for every prophet, enemies from the criminals. So this is part of the dunya. I mean, this is what's really important to understand, is that, you are going to, if you're on the truth, you are always going to have enemies. This is the sunnah of Allah. This is Allah's want in His creation that He has placed on the path of righteousness enemies. For, for the, the wisdom is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So He's telling the Prophet, this is what we, we have done. But then what does He say? وَكَفَى بِرَبِّكَ هَادِيًا وَنَصِيرًا but it's enough for your Lord as a guide and as someone who will give you victory. In other words, don't worry. Allah is guiding you, so, so stay on the path and don't deviate, don't, don't swerve or divert, and then know that Allah is going to give you nasr. He is the one. In He will give you victory if you give His faith victory. If you, if you give help to his faith, he will give faith to you. And so this, this uh, idea of abandoning the Quran, our scholars have said that there's different ways that we abandon the Quran. And, and, and one of the things about the latter days is the Prophet ﷺ told us that the way out of all of these problems in the latter days would be to go back to the Quran. And so the, the ways that, that our, our community abandons the Qur'an is, is first of all, they, they leave listening to it. Hajru sama'ihi wal iman bihi is they don't listen to it. So one of the interesting things about the Qur'an is that if, if you accustom yourself to reading it on a regular basis, 
it's something that not only you can habituate yourself to, but if you don't do it, you won't feel well. But that takes time, just like any type of exercise. If, you, if, you're, if you're exercising, if you get used to a regular exercise regimen, then when you leave that, you don't feel well. This is well known. It's, like, it's people, if you get into any habit, when you stop doing it, you, you, it's, it's uncomfortable. If you, we brush our teeth every day, it, if, if for whatever reasons you're not able to do it, you don't feel, your mouth doesn't feel clean, you don't feel good. And the same with many, many things. People drink coffee or tea every single day. If they don't have it, they get, they get uh, disturbed by it. And, and some people actually can be very grumpy. And in fact, it's almost like a joke that people say, oh, I haven't had my coffee yet. Like, don't talk to me yet. Well, there's also habituating yourself to the Quran, making it a habit. And, and, and even if you take one of the things that I learned from a Navy SEAL, not personally, but I heard a talk by a Navy SEAL, and, and it was very beneficial because, and I wish I would have known this many, many years ago, but he said that people who exercise, don't exercise, they often don't exercise because they think, oh, I don't have a half hour or 45 minutes. But he said th the mistake in that is that Take a baseline that you can do every single day without any difficulty, even if it's five minutes that you just say, I'm going to exercise every single day for five minutes. And then what you do, what you'll find out is that when you do that five minutes, it'll turn into seven minutes or 10 minutes or 15 minutes. But if you have that baseline that's very accessible and very easy, it will become a habit and that habit will grow. The same is true for the Quran. Just take, just commit to yourself every single day to read half a page of Quran or even two ayah of Quran, whatever it is, but commit yourself to that and don't stint on it. And what you'll find is that half a page will turn into a page and then the page will turn into two pages and then the two pages into three pages, whatever you do. So for the traditionally what Muslims did uh, and one of the things I love about Morocco is that they've really held to this practice, is that they recite a juz every day. And in fact, they start on uh, the first of the month, the lunar month. So for instance, like I know today is the third day, for instance, of Rabi' uh, Thani, because it's the third juz, uh, in, uh, the, which is, ends at Baqarah. So you, 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 you end Baqarah and then to begin Ali Imran. So, so that is because of the practice of just doing the Jews during the lunar month. For most people, you can do a Jews in about half an hour. Maybe it'll take uh, 40. If you do it with, uh, with, with uh, Tartil, it's going to take longer. So if you do it with Tahqiq, uh, what they call Tahqiq or Tartil, it's going to take... Um, probably about 45 minutes. Uh, but if you do it with hadar, which is a, the faster uh, mode, you can do it probably in 20 minutes. I mean, there's some people that can do it in even less than that without stinting on the tajweed, but that takes a lot of practice. In fact, I have a, a Kuwaiti friend, uh, Sheikh Abdullah Ma'atuq, who does 30 khatam every Ramadan. So he does every single day, he does khatam of the entire Quran. And he does it in the haram. He's a hafiz of Quran. So he had a friend who wanted to go to the haram with him. He said, I'm going to do it with you. I'm going to recite a khatam every day. And he said, no, 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 you can't do that. 
He said, no, no, I can do it. I trust me. He said, no, no, it takes a lot of practice. It's actually very difficult to do. And he said, no, 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 I, I can do it. And so he said, okay. So they went to Medina. And so he, he said the first day he was doing his khatam. And after a little while, he looked back at his friend and he was asleep. <laughs> so this is the thing that you have to just take what you can. Uh, the Prophet actually did not like for people to do it uh, less than three days. Uh, but some of the ulama did do it um, uh, every day. And there are many, many scholars that it's recorded that they re- recited the Quran every single day. But at least do, uh, try to do a page, just a page of recite. If you don't know how to recite, then then you have your challenge. So you learn first, you do the, the basically the Qa'idah Nuraniya or something. Um, or the Baghdadiya. There's a whole bunch of different ones. So you learn that. Babibu, Aiu, Babibu, Tatitu, Thathithu. And then you start doing that. Thu, Bu, right? Tha, Ba, things like that. And then once you learn that, it's not actually not that hard. And then you learn the rules of Tajweed. So you should practice with somebody who knows. You don't have to learn the actual names of all the rules, but you have to learn how to recite uh, the Quran properly without what, what they call lahan jelly. So lahan khafi is a little more uh, difficult to, to get, to remove. That takes time to do it. And the majority of scholars permit that of not always getting the idgham or something that doesn't change the meaning. So you could learn that. And there's a lot of resources for tajweed. Even online, there's a lot of resources for tajweed. It's always better to have a teacher um, but we have amazing resources now with recorded uh, scholars like Imam al-Hausari by far is, is the master of the Qurra. And so just take something, even if you listen to it from the, 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 the uh, CD or, or online digitalized, however you listen to it, just you recite it with them. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. And then do that every single day. Uh, so, so, and, and then also you can listen to the Qur'an being recited. So people prefer different Qur, uh, uh, Qaris to other Qaris, like uh, Qari, uh, Al-Ajami, Sheikh Al-Ajami is a very popular Qari. There's Sudanese styles, Imam Al-Kushi in Morocco, who did a beautiful Warsh uh, recitation, which was the, uh, the favorite of Imam Madik, uh, Nafi'is Qira'a. So those are all things that you can do. And then the second type of, uh, abandonment is hajur uh, al So it's abandoning practicing it. Even if you read it and actually believe in it, you don't practice it. And there's a lot of, unfortunately, there's a lot of Muslims that don't practice. In fact, I somebody sent me a text of somebody who I thought was a serious student of knowledge, but the behavior on these comments that this person made on that I felt I felt embarrassed for him as a person because he was refuting some other person online and the the the, the things that the way he talked about this person the way I mean this is really sad because the, like he was calling him names and they and this is somebody who you know, is noted in the community to be a, a learned person and yet he's Allah says in the 49th chapter, don't call each other names. I mean, it's, it's prohibited to do that, to make fun of people, to call, you know, some people, they say like, say terrible names about people. They'll take Yusuf and make it like doofus, 
you know, because they don't like a person. So that's, that's what our teaching is. That's our, that's our teaching. That's how Muslims, that's the level of our community where we actually make fun of people's names. What, what's going on? And so that's an example where the Quran says, do not call people names. So if you're calling people names, you're not practicing the Quran. There's a, a hadith that says maybe a man's reciting the Quran and the Quran is cursing him. Because the Quran says, God damned the liars. So you're, you're telling lies and then the Quran, you're reading Quran, but the Quran's telling you that you're damned because you're a liar. So there are many, many examples of that, of just not acting according to the Quran. Speak beautifully to people. Even the Christians, Allah says, Don't curse the idols of those who worship other than Allah. Don't make fun of Hindu idols. I saw uh, uh, somebody, you know, in, in, a, in a, one of the Gulf states, they were selling ganoush. Is it ganoush? Ganoush, it's the idol that, you know, Hindus personify the, the, uh, the Ganesh, Ganesh. The Hindus personify the, um, the uh, abundance in, in Ganesh. And that's why you see it in Hindu restaurants and things like that. They put it there because it's like it's going to bring them uh, success, worldly success and things like that. So this was a Muslim lady who saw this and she was in the store and she took it and smashed it. Now that person, the impulse in that I can understand because they, they had like a ghayra, a kind of, uh, you know, just jealousy for the for the religion on the Arabian Peninsula like how could you have it but that's not how we behave that's now on YouTube and then somebody in India sees that who actually considers that to be a sacred thing and I made this mistake myself because I, I had a, a talk where I gave and I mentioned Kali uh, uh, in a negative way and 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 I regretted it so I'm I will point the finger at myself too. We make mistakes like that. But the Quran is telling us don't do that because these are things people hold sacred. So then we get mad when they draw uh, cartoons and say, oh, this is what they believe in and make fun of it. But if Muslims are going to do that, if we're going to make fun of, the, uh, of their religion and their Bible and say, oh, their Bible's full of this or that, or we're going to mock uh, the Buddha or mock the... If Muslims are going to do that, then don't expect them to respect our religion. We have to have mutual respect. And that's what the Quran says. In fact, if you look at those verses, which are quite amazing, uh, I mean, they're really stunning. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that, that he has made each ummah that their actions appear good to them. So they actually, it's, it seems good to them. And Allah tells us, he's going to explain this all when we go back into the into the into the other world where we came from. Allah said he's going to explain all the differences and everything. So people need to be patient with one another. But it's really important to act according to the Quran. Don't, don't I mean, I, I'm so, I get distraught by seeing how uh, many of the Muslim leadership, the way they talk about other Muslims. And I'll tell you something that broke my heart. This is God's honest truth. I uh, met with somebody who's literally the head of the religion desk for a major network in the United States. And he told me something that broke my heart. He said, you know, I cover every single religion in the United States, but I have to say, 
you, he said, the Muslims, you guys are the worst with one another, the way you guys talk about each other. And I said, what do you mean? He said, you know, when I interview and ask about, and then they just trash so, and I, it really hurt me to hear that, you know, and I said, well, have you heard that from me? He said, no. And I said, well, that's all, we're not supposed to do that. So these people are not following the religion by doing that. And then he told me something very interesting. He said, do you know, the, uh, the evangelicals have a kind of pact where they don't disrespect one another, even if they disagree with them. So you don't hear evangelicals trashing other evangelicals. So I called one of my evangelical uh, friends. He's a pastor from Texas. I called him just, I wanted to test this hypothesis. So I said to him, uh, you know, pastor, uh, can I ask you, what do you, what do you think of uh, Joel Olstein? And I knew that he had a different view of, because he wasn't a prosperity gospel type preacher. And this is what he said. He said, well, you know, Joel and I, we, we differ in our theology, but uh, I think a lot of people get solace from Joel's preaching, and I think he helps a lot of people, um, and, and, I, and I pray for Joel. Uh, and that's what he said to me. I was like, wow. I was thinking about Muslim, like if you, if you ask him, Muslim, what do you think about this Muslim or that Muslim leader? And ah, don't follow him, he's a Muqtada, and don't follow him, he's a Wahhabi, and don't follow him, he's a Sufi, and don't follow him. He's follow everybody but me. I mean, this is kind of, uh, you know, follow every, don't follow anybody but me, yeah. So anyway, that's uh, acting according to the Quran. And then, Hajiru tahkimihi wa tahakum ilayhi. And then also not using the Quran as an arbiter. So the dean doesn't become your source of arbitration. And I'll give you one example. I was once asked to, um, th this, these parents were having a dispute about uh, habana or child custody. And so the father said that he, he was content with me being the arbiter. And, the, and, the, and the, the wife agreed. They were getting a divorce and they agreed. So they came in. And, and so they both agreed. They brought me in as a hakam. You know, they both agreed. So I said, well, by sharia, uh, the children should stay with the, the mother. And the, the husband just said, I don't accept that. So he was hoping because he thought like I was a friend of his or something that I was going to side with him. And I didn't. And so he just rejected it. So there's a lot of people that when the Sharia works for them, they're all for the Sharia. But when it doesn't work for them, they just simply say, no, no I don't agree with that. Or they, you know, I get people, they ask me, uh, what do you think about riba, you know, like a mortgage? And, and I, my response is, how many people have you asked before me? <laughs> like people are looking for somebody just to say to them, it's okay, you can do this. You can ask people to go out, as, you know, you'll get plenty of different opinions about lots of subjects and things like that. But it seems like people really, there's a lot of people that just follow their own desires and uh, it's it's very sad so that's very important is reflecting on the Quran says don't they reflect deeply on this Quran the Prophet they read the book of Allah, but then they study it with one. People forget that, which is a sahih hadith. They forget that aspect of it. They don't just read it. They study it. The Quran was revealed to be 
to be reflected on and thought about. And even though we don't derive ahkam from it, there's still a great deal that we can learn by reading the Qur'an. We have translations of the Qur'an that are relatively good. We have to be careful and you always have to have recourse. But we even have good now commentaries in English uh, where people can read. You have to be careful with commentaries because not, not all of it's accurate. Even the great commentaries have uh, problems that scholars have pointed out. But people should reflect on the Qur'an. And, and, and then he said, And then also not using the Qur'an as a means to heal. We have revealed in this book what is a healing for people. Yashfi, uh, you know, sudur, it will heal what's in the, in the hearts. So the Qur'an is actually a healing. I mean, one of the things about the sounds of Qur'an, especially if you do the tajweed uh, properly, the, the sounds of the Qur'an are going to affect you. So if you just, like, alif lam those are sacred sounds, and, and, and they're amazing sounds. So just the harf, and the Prophet ﷺ said that each harf has 10 uh, rewards. Each, and he said, alif, lam, meme is not a harf. Each one is a harf, alif, lam, meme. One of the things about the muqatta'at, these mysterious uh, letters at the beginning of some of the chapters in the Qur'an, uh, and I'll, I'll end here. One of the things about this is that if you study any book of linguistics, they will say that phonemes are meaningless, that phonemes only become meaningful when, they, they, when they're combined into words. So basically they're saying the foundation of all meaning is meaningless. What the Quran is refuting is that no, the very building blocks of meaning are meaningful. We just don't know the meanings. So it's meaning all the way down, which is really something amazing. The, what book, what human being could have thought of putting just letters in the Quran? Just what human being could have thought of starting a book with sounds? Because it's almost like alif, lam, like it's moving from meanings that only Allah knows to meanings that he's conveying to you. But in the end, it's only Allah who knows all the meanings. So just take a little bit every day of the Quran, just, just that little bit and just exercise with it until it becomes habitual. And one of the things that you have to really be careful of, don't take more than you can handle. So just take what you can and do it every day. And then once you get that established, you can increase it incrementally until hopefully you're doing a khatam at least once a month. And because that really is a goal to, uh, Abu Hanifa radiallahu said that if you do a khatam at least twice a year, you won't be from those who have abandoned the Quran. So just at least twice, you don't do it just in Ramadan. I mean, some people do it just in Ramadan Astaghfirullah, just in Ramadan, it's huge to do it in Ramadan. But don't let Ramadan be the only time that you do a khatam. Try to do a khatam, uh, at least a second khatam throughout the year, and, but build up to, um, to uh, re reciting it on a regular basis. And inshallah, may Allah give uh, all of you tawfiq, wherever you are. The Book of Allah, is, it's just so beautiful. 
it sounds beautiful, even if you don't understand the sound. Habib al-Ajmi used to get so moved when he would hear uh, the Quran and, and uh, somebody said to him, you know, Persians, you're your mother tongue, and yet, you know, you're so moved by the Quran. He said, Lisani ajmi lakin qalbi arabi. He said, my tongue is Persian, but my heart is Arabic. So uh, the, the, even the ajm uh, can be moved uh, by it. And there are many people who have, have been moved to tears just from hearing the Quran recited. It can penetrate the hearts. Um, in fact, Allah says, had he revealed it on a mountain, you would see the mountain obliterated. So what would it, what would it do to Corona if that's what it could do to, to, the, uh, to the mountain? It could certainly obliterate Corona. Alhamdulillah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.